This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Okay, okay, we've made it to Friday. Hallelujah. It's great to have you with us on this Friday night edition of Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel. From our studios here in downtown Columbia, Chris Bergen on the move with the Coastal Carolina basketball team. Not with us tonight. And you can be with us. You can fill in for Chris, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. What a day. You know, you like Fridays after working hard all week, right? And it was signing day week and got a lot going on. You want Fridays to be nice and easy? No, sir. Not around here. Gamecocks hit a home run with a commitment. Clemson struck out unbelievably. We got to talk about that in just a moment. Struck out unbelievably today on a recruit. Um, South Carolina suspended three football players for being naughty. Talk about that in just a moment. And uh, we'll have a recruiting report for you. Uh, George Bryan. And Tsunami Robbie will join us with a special guest at the bottom of hour number two, birdies and bogeys and biceps around South Carolina. And Jim Corbett, gentleman Jim Corbett, keeping an eye on the Murdaugh trial for us. He'll join us after 7 o'clock, 7.15, 7.20 or so, just to kind of give us a, an update, a recap of what's been going on as things have gotten really, really interesting there in Walterboro. But first and foremost tonight, well, we got a couple of uh, lead stories to talk about. We'll start with uh, South Carolina in that the uh, Gamecocks today got a commitment from Mazio Bennett, wide receiver from Greenville, quite good. Originally committed to Tennessee back in October and decommitted later on. And South Carolina got on him very strongly at that point. They had been recruiting him prior to, got on him even stronger after that. And today he announced a commitment to the Gamecocks. So another significant Recruiting victory for Shane Beamer and company. More on that coming up in recruiting in a little bit, so stay tuned for that. Meantime, it's not often I'm shocked when an announcement is made, but that was the case about 3.30 this afternoon when quarterback Walker White of Little Rock, Arkansas, announced a commitment to Auburn and not Clemson. The indications... From the national experts, the indications from the Clemson media, the insiders up there all had him going to Clemson. In fact, if you pay attention to this kind of stuff, which I really don't accept in this kind of case because I'm interested to see what the experts had projected on their particular recruiting networks. So 24-7 sports had it 75% Clemson for him. They had four crystal balls, three of them for Clemson. So those went crack. And on three, had uh, they had this thing called an RPM thing that somehow determines um, the likelihood of a player going to a certain school. They had it at 88.2% for Clemson. In other words, 
everybody following this thought it was going to be Clemson. Me, as an outsider, having never talked to the player, but I did talk to his coach last night. His coach didn't indicate anything to me. He just talked about him as a player and what a good player he was. And I thought it was going to be Clemson, too, you know, from what I had been reading. Um, and, And there was logic behind it. This is a Clemson type of uh, individual, uh, extremely uh, religious, comes from a uh, Christian school, um, would follow right in line with the other two quarterbacks the Tigers have recruited the last couple of years, visited Clemson last, by all accounts had a great visit, and Clemson checked all the boxes. Um, hard to figure, you know, what's the deal? Hugh Freeze, you know, resurrecting himself at uh, at Auburn. Certainly, I mean, Hugh Freeze. What can you say about Hugh Freeze? Yeah, you give a guy another chance, and he's rebounding nicely from what happened to him at Ole Miss. Uh, but you, you know, it's just, it's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You'll have to figure that one out for yourself, I guess. Um, Today, in, 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 the, in the world of recruiting, the losers cry NIL. I'm not going to go there with that. I don't know that anything like that uh, came into play. Uh, did Clemson fall short in that category somehow, some way? Possibly. I don't know. I'm sure that there'll be Clemson people screaming about NIL and the Tigers not stepping up to the plate and not doing enough. Maybe that wasn't a factor at all. You know, Maybe he just liked Auburn more. Maybe he just liked Hugh Freeze more. Uh, Garrett Riley had been com- recruiting him for a couple of years. He recruited him when he was at TCU. That was the other thing in, Cle- in Clemson's favor here that you thought, now this is going to be pretty much a slam dunk, which just goes to show you there's not a slam dunk uh, in recruiting all the time. I guess sometimes, yes, but uh, not all the time. So the other thing to think about here, too, if you're a Clemson fan, is um, here in the 2024 recruiting class, you've missed on another quarterback target. And, yes, it, it is another quarterback target because there was the uh, the Lagaway kid from Texas that was really was the first one on the board for Clemson that they really wanted to, to get, uh, and he ended up going to uh, Florida. Um, and there have been some others as well. We'll look at that in just a little bit. But i got to believe this was a, um, a major blow for Clemson. Now, there are other good quarterbacks still out there in the 24 class that have not yet committed an opportunity to go out and get involved with them. And I'm sure they'll find a good one, but this one was just a, a big surprise, big surprise to me when it came down then late this afternoon, just when you think you're going to slot into the weekend, all nice and quiet USC announced to their credit, they didn't hide it. They announced it that three football players have been suspended from the team. Montague Rames, defensive end freshman, just arrived on campus. Cameron Upshaw, safety, just arrived on campus. Freshman and Anthony Rose just played his freshman year and started to come on during the season and contribute in the secondary. Shane Beamer said, quote, our student athletes know what is expected of them. They know that both the university and the football program will hold them accountable for their actions and decisions, end quote. I'm reading a story written by the great Ben Portnoy of the state newspaper. 
And he wrote that USC didn't provide details as to why those players were suspended. But, but Richland County jail records show that one was arrested overnight. That's right. When in doubt, check out the jail records. Rames, a freshman defensive end who moved on campus last month, uh, was arrested on charges of, quote, carrying weapons on school property, end quote, and obstructing justice, according to Richland County online court records. The records show that Rames was booked at midnight. An incident report provided Friday by USC showed that campus police responded to a, quote, housing complaint, end quote, at the 650 Lincoln dorms, 9.20 p.m. January 25th. The incident report references a, quote, weapon law violations, end quote, with a rifle listed as the weapon. The report lists Rames, Rose, and a juvenile as suspects in the alleged incident, but there are no mentions of charges or arrests. Rames was still in jail as of this afternoon, according to Richland County Online Records. No attorney was listed for him. His first court appearance is scheduled March 31st. A personal recognizance bond was set at $10,000, according to the records. Rames and Upshaw were among the new signees who enrolled in January. Rose enrolled in January of 2022. Did not see action in any games this season and redshirted. Hmm, okay, I may have been mistaken. I thought he played some when it got late in the year. Okay, well, I know he's a guy that they feel pretty good about. And, um, you know. You'd hate to lose a guy like that if this is something that uh, reaches that level. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. So uh, a good day for South Carolina. What began as a pretty good day for them ends on a on a down note. Three young guys, three uh, freshman players get themselves in some trouble. And why? I'm sure there's a reason. I hope it's a good reason for them why you'd have a rifle in your dorm when you know a, a college campus is a definitely forbidden place to have any type of firearms. That's just not smart. You know, maybe he was coming back from hunting. And he didn't want to leave it in his vehicle and he had it in his, in his dorm room or something. Or I don't know. I'm just get, thinking out loud here why you would have a, a rifle on your property in your dorm on a college campus. Just just not good. So that is the, the story there for South Carolina and that situation. I think it's the first time under Shane Beamer that they've had to publicly suspend players. I can't think of any other off the top of my head where that has happened. So bound to happen. You coach long enough, this is going to happen to you. No program is immune from that kind of stuff. And then out of Clemson today, the board of trustees met. Usually when they meet, they spend some money. They did so today. Assistant head coach, cornerbacks coach Mike Reed, Defensive tackles coach Nick Eason each received a $50,000 raise and now will make $800,000 per season. Additionally, returning members of the coaching staff each had a year added to their contracts. Reed Eason, defensive coordinator, linebackers coach Wes Goodwin, co-defensive coordinator, safeties coach Mickey Kahn, strength coach Joey Batson, now under contract through January 26th. And coaches who had their contracts extended through 25 of January, defensive ends coach Levansky Hall, tight ends coach Kyle Richardson, offensive line coach Thomas Austin, 
running backs coach C.J. Spiller and receivers coach Tyler Grisham. You can go to our website, sportstalksc.com, and click on the story, and you can see the term sheet for each of those coaches. That is part of the story there. Also, the board approved plans for a new performance and wellness center for Clemson athletes. And uh, they also approved upgrades to the existing volleyball facilities and renovation to the Jervy Athletic Center. They approved the phase one of this plan, and now things will start to move forward. Construction would commence upon phase two board and state approval with the goal of a start in late 2023 and ready for use by the athletes in 24-25. The new 50,000-square-foot facility located south of Jervy Gym would be the new day-to-day home for Clemson Sports Medicine Strength and Conditioning Nutrition and Applied Science Departments. The existing Jervy Athletic Center, built in 1973, last underwent major renovation in 1995. The project is expected to cost $50 million. Okay. Been a pretty interesting week up there at Clemson, wouldn't you say? Been a pretty interesting week right here in the Midlands as well. So we got all that to talk about. Plus, there's basketball, of course, coming up tomorrow. A big game for Clemson at home to Miami. Miami, one of the teams chasing Clemson atop the ACC. Can the Tigers bounce back from a lousy performance at Boston College? One that Brad Brownell just just felt like his guys didn't show up for whatever reason, just did not show up and, and played very, very poorly, lackadaisically, didn't get after it like they have this season one of the few times. But that's been the case. They they need to rebound. Virginia's hot breath is on their back, and Miami is right there. Then there's South Carolina. The Gamecocks are playing Arkansas at home tomorrow afternoon. And, I mean, you know, almost every time out now, the Gamecocks are, are losing big. And for a while, they're being a little competitive in some of these games. Well, Georgia on the road, they were definitely competitive, had a chance to win that game. Competitive for a while against Mississippi State last time out, but wilted late. And now you get an Arkansas team that you know is going to come at you with athletes and pressure and going to push the pace on you and try and force a bunch of turnovers, which South Carolina tends to do, and uh, force you into quick shots. South Carolina doesn't shoot it well anywhere on the floor, for that matter. Um, And they don't rebound well. So, And it's also the reunion day at South Carolina for their legends. So maybe the legends shouldn't watch and uh, keep their memories of the days when they were legends uh, in, in their minds, instead of watching what's going on now at South Carolina, because it could be another tough day for them on the hardwood college of Charleston plays uh, tomorrow up in um, Delaware, trying to break their two game losing streak. All I got to say about that is I hate it for the Cougars. I hate it, but, a couple of weeks ago, we reached out to have Pat Kelsey on the show when they were in the midst of their winning streak and nationally ranked, and they declined us. They haven't won since. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that anybody here at Sports Talk put any kind of jinx or hex on them or anything like that. I'm just saying, you don't cooperate, bad things can happen. We've seen it time and time again. Never turn down Sports talk. Now, uh, coming up here in the bottom of the hour, 
I mentioned that the Gamecocks got the commitment today from Greenville High standout receiver Mazio Bennett. His coach is going to join us at uh, 6.35, Coach Greg Porter, to talk about him, what the Gamecocks are getting, and we'll also update his other big-time recruit in this year's class, the offensive guard, Blake Franks, who's trying to decide between the Gamecocks and Clemson. He'll give us the latest on that. Pat, you look like you want to say something. Nope, all good here. It's been a sure has been a big day full of full of news stories and <laughs> one, okay. one you left out though that uh, Chris shared with us earlier involves a topic. I know we don't spend probably as much time as we should on. We talk about the Gamecock women's basketball team, mm-hmm. but how about that story coming out of the ACC today, where Duke and Florida State played a game, nationally ranked Duke, and they played the first half of that game with a men's ball, supposedly. Mm-hmm. At least that's what the coach. Uh, that's what Duke's head coach is is saying is that is that they played the first half of that ball game and, and sorry I'm trying to pull up the story real quick here. Um, coach Lawson with with Duke said uh-huh. that they played the whole first half with a men's basketball. Players were complaining about it, saying that something was different. And then at halftime, the refs acknowledged that it was the wrong ball, changed the ball to a different one in the second half. They essentially played the rest of the game under protest. But now the ACC has come out and released a statement saying that they have no evidence to suggest that this ever happened. They're almost sweeping it under the rug, and it just it just seems like that would never happen in a men's game. You know, daggum well, 30 seconds into the ball game, if a, if a guy was like, hey, this ball feels small to me, they would immediately stop the game, figure it out, and, and change it. All right, so let me see if I got this right. <clears throat> a Duke athletic team makes an accusation. The conference office says there's no evidence. Did BYU write that release for the oh, conference oh, office? Oh, I teed you up for that, didn't I? <laughs> I've been thinking about that all day since I saw that story. I mean, come on. It's Duke. It's a Duke organization. It's a Duke team making making an allegation. And uh, do you believe them? Uh, BYU says, hello. We don't believe them. Not volleyball. Not not basketball. Um, Don Staley says, uh, yeah, if Duke says it, I believe it. Um but anyway, that's strange. It is. And then for the NCAA. How would the officials not know? I, I don't they know. They can't feel the difference in the size of the basketballs? They hold them all the time. Not only that, but the numbers of the weight is listed right there smack <laughs> on the ball. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of right in your face. All you got to do is look, is look at the ball and read the inscription on it. But to, to add on to what the ACC statement was, this was the part that was most troubling to me, or at least maybe not troubling, but confusing. Quote, Per NCAA playing rules, there is no appeal or protest process. So they're just completely shutting out. Like, they're just shutting this down. They, mm-hmm. don't, they want this to go away. They don't want this being brought up. I'd imagine behind closed doors, Duke is even being scolded for, how dare you bring this up? It's mm-hmm. just, just very strange. Again, why should you believe them? Hopefully somebody got a easier, picture, right? Easier to prove, I guess. Maybe, maybe. Well, how... If the ACC says, if the ACC office said that's it wasn't true, how can you argue with that? Why'd they change the ball at halftime? If they played with a different ball in the second half, is that not acknowledging that there was an issue? That's the part I don't get too. Is if they played a with two different balls, one had one in the first, then how come the the ACC office said it? That's where my true. That's my confusion. I I mean, I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. None of that makes sense. Nothing makes sense anyway anymore. And Coach Lawson has been around the game, both men and women, for yeah. a long, long time. I mean, I, I think that she has certainly built up enough 
uh, background where this isn't just some random coach. Now, they did lose the game, right? They did. They yeah. did. And okay, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, why'd you lose, coach? Well, we didn't have the right balls. Okay. Um, no, nah, I'm not going to – it would be a cheap joke. I'm not going to bring up Clemson's Brevin Galloway following that comment. One more uh, quick... But I am hopeful Sorry. for him that he's able to place tomorrow against I, Miami. I too, and still <laughs> just every time I think about his new NIL deal with that underwear, it just, just cracks me up. Uh, so when you mentioned how Clemson lost out on that recruit today that a lot of folks seem to think was, was a sure thing to go for the class of 2024 20, – well, one name I mentioned to you off-air last night in case this young man did not go to Clemson, a guy who committed for the class of 2024 at quarterback to Garrett Riley at TCU, Marcus Davila. Curious if you think now Garrett Riley and the Tigers might reach out to him and try to flip him from TCU to Clemson, seeing as how he already committed to Coach Garrett Riley once. I don't know anything about him. Um, I'd have to do some some checking and see if there's something that's something there, but I'll tell you, just based on my records, that the Tigers had offers out to, I mentioned DJ Lagway. That was the guy they went after first out of Willis, Texas, and he committed to Florida. Then they set their sights on Walker White. I think Brandon Streeter kind of started it, and then Riley followed up. Then their next guy in line that they really liked, Jaden Davis, at Providence Day in Charlotte. They've offered him. And but the interest there seems to be he has not been returning the same interest. He did not come in for a junior day at Clemson. Been a while since he visited there. Uh his interest might be might be elsewhere. So, you know, they might have to just go back to the drawing board, go back to square one. Maybe it will be. I'm sure it'll be somebody in Garrett Riley's past. Yeah, just go look up quarterbacks that TCU has offered and uh see and go from there. You can probably follow the offer trail with him and see who he likes and pick it up there. But this had to come as a this had to come as a shock because I mean, look, the Clemson insider types on the websites who get their information from the recruiting office over there uh, obviously were being fed information led them to believe that Clemson was getting them. And uh, this must have been a last minute sort of either you know either it was a change of heart or just a last minute decision by white to go with Auburn because totally shocked. That's how I would describe myself as I watched that thing play out on, on YouTube as he answered, I mean, sorry, as he, uh, as he pulled the hat out of the bag and put it on his head and said, Auburn university, I'm like, Whoa, where'd that come from? And Phil, you know, he, he mentioned a few things in his comments today that, that really stuck out to me. And I feel like we've mentioned on the show, you and Chris in particular, tell me where you've heard this before. One of the reasons he chose Auburn was the family atmosphere and the way the coaches really made him feel like he was at home. Who have we heard? But I mean, that's been Clemson's that forte as well. That, that's that's my point. Over that's the my decade, point, now yeah. now we're hearing how many of these big name recruits that have been committing to Shane Beamer lately for South Carolina have been saying the same thing. My point here is that has kind of been Dabo's. I don't shtick usually makes it sound negative. no shtick's a good word. It's, it's all so shtick. Kind of his shtick. It's all shtick. Well. Dabo is almost being out daboed right now. Hmm. And that's the part that I think is most troubling to Clemson fans but out is, there is that they're losing at their own game. All right, so now that's a good point. That's a good point. And so now is Dabo handcuffing himself by being, you know, stuck in his ways, being Dabo, being somewhat arrogant that his way is the only way, and he refuses to 
delve into the into the transfer portal, John, which is totally legal and which is being used by practically every coach around him. He's surrounded ACC, SEC coaches who have no qualms going in and taking a transfer to help their program, yet he refuses to do it. Uh, and then, of course, yes, they have an NIL situation at Clemson, and they want to try to do it the so-called Clemson way, whatever that happens to be. In the meantime, I'm not saying that's the case here, but we do know all around the country deals are being cut and people are making big deals about the deals being cut. So it looks like they're playing the game at the highest level. And if you're not playing the game at the highest level, you're going to get left behind. I mean, for right now, Clemson's okay. They still attract, for the most part, good players. But how long is that going to last when you're not taking advantage of everything the rules allow you to take advantage of? We'll hit the break. Be back in a moment. Friday night edition of Sports Talk. Good to have you back with us as we roll into the weekend here across the state. South Carolina, Phil Cornblute, Pat Daniel here. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Lots to come tonight, so stay with us. Give you a complete recruiting wrap-up coming up in a few minutes. In fact, we'll hit on a few more of the classes around the state that we haven't been able to get to to this point. But uh, today, big day for South Carolina. Again, the Gamecocks have been on quite the roll in recruiting and they landed another of the state's top prospects in the 2024 class. Mazio Bennett, wide receiver from Greenville High, really kind of exploded on the scene in 2023, and his career has just taken off, and he has become a dynamite receiver and a guy that started receiving recruiting attention and offers from all across the country originally committed to Tennessee early on backed off that and now today he announced his commitment to a South Carolina which I think will be the one that will stick for him moving forward and it's a pleasure to have with us coach Greg Porter from Greenville High School who has uh, taken the Raiders to that next level in terms of being a powerhouse in the states reaching the upper state championship game last year maybe the state championship game this year coach welcome into sports talk thanks for joining us how are you thank you i'm doing fine thank you for allowing me to be on your show oh we appreciate you for joining us tonight mazio bennett we've heard a lot about him he seems like a terrific athlete exactly what is south carolina getting in him they're going to get a true student athlete a guy that's not i mean he's not selfish at all he's going to do whatever the offensive coordinator requires of him. He's going to be a great blocker on the perimeter, and he's just going to be a great teammate. You know, uh, we love his leadership at Greenville High School. It's helped transform that program, and he's really doing a great job. Let's talk about his receiving skills. What stands out about him, the, the fundamentals of route running and going up and high-pointing the ball in good hands, how would you judge him in those, in those categories? I give him all excellence. The reason is he's always working on his skill development. There's not a day that he takes off. You know, sometimes we need to tell him to back off and allow himself to recover. But if he if he take that attitude, he'd never be where he's at. You know, 
he's the, he's going to continue to work harder on his routes. Um, I think as he gets uh, more acclimated to the system and, and the great wide receiver coach, Coach Step, he will begin to get smoother in his routes. Great hands. Uh, he's just a total, complete athlete. Of course, you know, this day and age, expectations are high for kids coming out of high school. I mean, no longer, and I'm sure you can remember the day when you would uh, commit and sign, and then, you know, you might not see a player for a year or two. Now, they want to play early. Expectations are they'll play early, and expectations are for a guy like Mazio that he will contribute early. Is he, of course, you have another year to work with him and help mold him, but is he the kind of guy who can step on campus at South Carolina and compete right away and help them win in the SEC? Absolutely, I believe so. You know, the impact from the Porters really changed the game totally, um, and he understands that. So, you know, there's no days off. He is coming with the attitude that he's going to work hard for what's, you know, for his opportunity. Uh, he works extremely hard on his routes, his hands, his leadership. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, when he walk on campus, he is going to be ready to compete. Uh, give us the backstory, if you would, on you know what happened with him early on. He committed to Tennessee. I know at that point it, it looked like South Carolina might be strong with him. Then he went and visited Tennessee, and next thing we knew he was committing to Tennessee and then uh, changed his mind on that a few months later, and now South Carolina is where he's headed. What went on with him early on, and then what happened after that, and how did South Carolina get in there so strongly? You know, the, you know I believe – the coach staff has always been consistent recruiting him. Um, I think when he made that commitment to Tennessee, he probably was wooed that weekend, and they really wowed him a little bit. And um, he, so he made a commitment. Young man made a commitment. Uh, and then when the offensive coordinator from Tennessee got the head coaching job at USF, South Florida, he, he decided to, you know, decommit, you know, and – after he decommitted, I saw and witnessed a more consistent and genuine effort from Coach Beamer and his staff and Coach Step, and continue to build a relationship with him, even when he did commit to Tennessee. They never backed off. They didn't get any feelings about it. They were very professional about it. And I think that genuine family uh, effort on their part really won him over. And I think this is a commitment to stick. This is this is his heart. This is where he really, you know, learned a lesson from committing too early. And that was a part of his process. That's a part of his journey. That's part of his growth. And he seems to be very settled to be a game cop. When did you kind of sense a turn towards South Carolina in his thinking and in his as he went through the process? Because I know in January he went to Alabama, had to be impressed with that. Then he went to Miami, and he's, he goes down to Miami. You were telling me he plays for a seven-on-seven team out of Miami, so he's down there all the time. Uh, and he also made a stop at South Carolina. And I believe he came back to South Carolina last weekend. When did you think it uh, really started turning their way? He started visiting more often. <laughs> You're not going to keep visiting schools that you're really not interested in. Mm -hmm. He started spending more time with them. You know, Coach Step came up and, you know, really, just really talk to us, the staff and Coach Lamb, about uh, the relationship with this guy. They really took an effort to really want to understand this time around, we're not going to lose him to no other school. And I think uh, Mazel really appreciated that. So I don't know if it was a particular day when I seen it. I just knew, I can tell that 
is beginning to lean that way because he starts spending more time down there. Yeah. Talk with the coach Greg Porter from Greenville High School. Of course, before that, he was at uh, Hillcrest, did a great job there. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, correct me now, won a state championship? Absolutely. I yeah. did win a state championship in 2014 and the winning as coach in their school history. <laughs> I thought I, I remember I that. I, just, and, I thought I just had that. <laughs> and, and let me think now. Let me think. Did you, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, did you slay the giant? Was it Dutch Fork who you beat? Uh, yes, it was Dutch Fork. Yeah, yes, I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at that game. I'm just just checking the old memory. Okay, so I got to ask you this question, and I know this will put you right in the middle. So, I mean, you've got a terrific program, and you're recruited hard by the Gamecocks. You're recruited hard by the Tigers. You've had players go to Clemson, and you'll have others go to Clemson. So you're getting hit up by both staffs. So what do you think about the two staffs, the way they recruit, the way they come at you? I know. Come on. What what do you think about the way they handle their businesses? Well, I think they're both very professional. You know, everybody has their own personality, you know, and uh, take nothing away from either one of them. I think Coach Sweeney and uh, Tyler Grissom has done a great job of recruiting our players. And then you, you just think about it. Is it a fit for our school? You know, is this young man is a complete fit for our school? So I think they know exactly what fits for them, like, you know, South Carolina really realized that Mazo was a fit for them. And um, they proceeded to recruit him. So I think both staffs have their strength. And, um, you know, I think I'm going to keep it right there. <laughs> well, now be honest, Jimmy, were you at all a, a little surprised that Clemson never really uh, made a move with Mazio, never really showed him the type of interest? Or, again, does it go back to what you're saying you know, fit, a fit for him and a fit for them? Uh, you know, there was times early in the process I was kind of surprised. I really was. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I started thinking maybe it's just the way we think on our staff about our players. We think really, really high about our players, and we think they should be recruited by everybody. So, you know, there was a moment we had to check ourselves. I had to check myself and, and say, well, you know what, they know what they need. But I just really God will put you right where you need to be at, and I just think that you know, they went for Tyler Brown, which is one of our, you know, top receivers. That is a great fit for them. And Mazio, the way his attitude is, seemed like it, it clicks more with South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think both staffs got what they need and what they wanted. Which brings us to Blake Franks, your very talented offensive lineman in the 24 class who's down to South Carolina and Clemson and has talked about making a decision sometime this month and has been to both. He's given them equal opportunity, equal attention, and seems to be genuinely torn about what he wants to do. What's the latest on him from what you know? I'm going to be safe for the sake of the family and their privacy with that decision. I think he is really torn, but, you know, he knows exactly what he wants, and the family knows, so... Um, out of respect to them, I'm going to refrain from saying any more about which direction they're leading into that. So okay. I'm really not sure what to say on that. Do you – yeah, I respect that totally. Do you think they're there, though? Do you, do you think they've made – they know what they want to do, they've made that decision just, just waiting to announce it? I 
can even say on that. I'm not even sure. You know, it, when I talk to Blake, you know, I try to give him his privacy and not put him under the stress of, like, he has to discuss that with me, but he know I'm there if he need guidance. But his family, his mom is assistant principal at our school, so he know exactly what he needs to do and what he wants. And I'm sure when he makes the decision, it's going to be, you know, what's best for him and his family. Yeah. Oh, so his mom's the assistant principal. I guarantee you one thing, he doesn't step out of line. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Any idea when we should look for something from him in the next, here it's going to be middle of February, you think something in the next week, two weeks? I I don't know. Maybe he's moved by the excitement of, you know, what's going on with Cam Pringle signing, and now you have – uh, Harvard, the number one player in the country. Now you got the number one receivers. You know, so he may feel the energy and, you know, probably move on that. But I couldn't say if it's within the next two or three weeks. You know, we just want him to be ready. And when he do make a decision that we, we let's stick with it, you know, and be committed to it. Yeah. Coach, really appreciate it on a Friday night you being with us. I know you got basketball going on and everything else that's happening up there in the spring. And uh, really appreciate you being with us. Congratulations on producing another big timer. And you got another one that's going to be announcing here at some point. So we'll get back with you on Blake when that's done. And we'll talk to you again. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on your show. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. Coach Greg Porter. And I tell you what, man, you win at Hillcrest and you go and win big at Greenville, you're getting it done. And, and he's getting it done. And we'll see what happens next with Blake Franks and uh, that decision, you know, as you heard the coach say, they must be in that kind of sensitive area where they're trying to get it nailed down, kind of like where the harbors were, I guess, at one point in time, that sensitive area where they going back and forth and trying to make that decision. And I would expect something from him. He originally had planned for February the 7th, which I think is – Mother's birthday. I think that's what he originally planned, but he's most recently been talking about uh, later on in February. So uh, we'll see what happens there. The next prize to come out of uh, Greenville High School. Alma mater of the great Don Williams, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Yep, Don Williams wants a slick fielding, light-hitting first baseman for the Greenville High Red Raiders uh, back in the day. Okay, can we go to the break? We're going to go to the break, and we'll come back with more. Maybe take a couple of phone calls if you want to join us. A lot to comment on. 888-898-2525, the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And since 2002, more than $2.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund life scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at seeducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports. And some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging. 
but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game, it's played for fun. So set a dollar amount, expect not to win, and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit playresponsiblysc.com. I want you to want me. Okay, welcome back, everybody. A couple of quick notes. Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monken going to interview with the Ravens for his second time. Pete Thimmel reporting. Oklahoma and Texas can't leave the Big 12 early. Going to have to stay there till 2025. They had hoped to leave and join the SEC in 2024, but that has stalled at this point, unlikely to come to fruition. Alabama basketball coach Nate Oaks getting a multi-year extension, paying him $4 million annually. They're trying to hold, him, hold on to him and not lose him to, like, Texas. Furman's Jalen... Slauson named the Southern Conference Basketball Player of the Month for January. Uh, Furman was like 7-1 and one in the month. He averaged about 18 points, 7 rebounds per game. Legion Collegiate Academy announced today the football program will be paused effective immediately. The 2022 season was the fourth for the Lancers. The decision to pause the football program was made at the Legion Collegiate Academy board meeting. And that was this week. It was agreed to by members of the board and athletics administration, along with Pinnacle Charter Academy's management. Primary issues that led to the decision to pause the program are a limited number of student athletes on the roster and remaining in the program issues, scheduling games, and the lack of a football facility to play home games. That means straight Herring is on the market looking for a job. I would think somebody would scoop him up. Okay. What you got? Before we get to Gamecock Larry standing by, just 
I'm a little amazed you haven't mentioned your all-time favorite NBA player from his brief time with the Celtics and the news that came out today of Kyrie Irving demanding a trade out of Brooklyn, which I think surprised a lot of folks. He'll become a free agent this summer, but he has now uh, demanded a trade, and the trade deadline is next, what, Thursday maybe? But sometime next week in the NBA, Mm. and reportedly his preferred destinations are either to team back up with LeBron James with the Lakers Mm. Go to the Dallas Mavericks. He and Luka Doncic would be an interesting pairing. Or the Phoenix Suns. He's a disease. He's a great player. Can you trust him? If you're any team right now, can you trust that you can depend on him to actually show up? He rots out the inside of any locker room, I would say. He did win a championship, but he won it because he was with LeBron. He can't do it on his own. And um, Now, if he went back to the Lakers to try to play with LeBron... Well, then you'd say goodbye to uh, Russell Westbrook for sure, I would think. That wouldn't hurt too many people's feelings, I guess. And I don't know. I, you know, being a Celtics fan, I wish him on everybody except the Celtics. Let him go find someplace else to play. Look, he's averaging 27 points per game. And, you know, they've added a bunch of stars over the years to the Nets to try to, uh, you know, buy their way to a championship. And it's just not working for them. You know, KD can't stay healthy. And Kyrie is, he is so hot and cold, both with his game and with his personality. Ben Simmons is a waste of money. Uh, on and on and on for that team. You know, the most uh, one of the most consistent players for them is the kid from Greenville, Claxton, who went to Georgia. Dad played at Georgia. I think he was a second-round pick. I mean, every game he gives them a terrific effort, blocks, rebounds, can score a little bit. But uh, he's not the type of guy that's going to win you a championship. He's a good filler player for you. Uh, Let's go to uh, Gamecock Larry. Welcome in, sir. Hope you're having a great Friday. Looking forward to a great weekend. Great to have you with us. Yes, sir. Phil, great news and bad news, Uh, I, like you said, every school is whatever you call it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the young man that had the rifle, he should have known not to have it on campus. And uh, like I say, I hope, well, I don't know. How, I'm going to put it this way. If they do have to leave school or they get whatever they call it, get in my grammar school they said expelled in case they have to move on. That'll leave us a couple of scholarships. We can get out and get us some transfer porter jobs, as you call it. Mm. But I want to tell you, I got some good news. I want to, Phil, you, I know you don't ever watch SCC Network, but I seen something today. And I had to run it back and watch it two or three times. What was that? When the lady Gamecocks played Alabama. No, oh, whoa, 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 Larry, Larry, let me. I have to chastise you. They're, they're not lady Gamecocks. They're Gamecocks. Okay. Okay, the Gamecocks. When the Gamecocks, the women, when the women played Alabama women, why? After the game. Now, I've seen this in my own eyes, and I had to run my TV back. I thought I, I, I don't know. But Alabama fans, 
and some of the Alabama players, Elijah Boston, was signing autographs for him. Did you see any of that? Afraid now, not. I seen I that with my own eyes, mm-hmm. and they talked about it. And uh, tell old Dabo, maybe he can get, <laughs> maybe next year, some of the men up there may have to <laughs> get a rattle to sign the autograph for him. <laughs> Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Brian, I'm just joking with you, buddy. But we're coming after you. Ain't going to get no street going for a while. That's not all I got to say. But that happened. Lord have mercy. A opposing team getting autographs signed by, by the star of the other team. Go game, cops. Have a good weekend. Love all y'all. All right, Larry. Appreciate it very much. Uh, I didn't know that. Did you know that? I hadn't seen that. I had not. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, look. Um, probably happens more than you know, especially behind the scenes. Great players, professional players I'm talking about in the professional leagues, the real professional leagues. I imagine that some of the uh, – well, look, you've seen people after NFL games like go up to Tom Brady and want to change jerseys with him or – I don't think I've seen other players asking for an autograph or anything like that on the field, but all kind of respect to the great ones. And look, Leah Boston, she's – greatest player in college basketball today maybe do you put i guess maybe the uh the reigning national player of the year um i i think they're trying to you know not wear her out they're not asking so much for her now so that when it gets to those what last six games of the year in the national tournament or so those last six or so she can really cut it loose and finish with a with a splash another national championship Another All-American team, another National Player of the Year honor. Statue coming. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, welcome back. They're going to do recruiting in a moment. Nothing I love more than a good cat fight, though, in the media. So there's a website called the NIL Deal. Don't know anything about it, but they just wrote this story, a guy named Dan Stack. But I only bring it up because it involves Nick Harbour. Nick Harbour's commitment to South Carolina sparks heated Twitter exchange. Woohoo! Let's see what the slime balls, I mean, the guys on Twitter are talking about. So, you know the story about Nicholas Harbour. And a couple of days later, some on Twitter are lashing out and suggesting it was a, I think he means pay for play proposition. He wrote play for play. I think he meant pay for play. Proposition after Oregon reportedly thought they had received commitment from the five-star recruit. Maryland alum and former NBA front office exec Chuck Douglas posted a Twitter thread where he cites Tony Morrell, the big spur, saying that Nike, on behalf of Oregon, offered Harbor a lucrative NIL deal 
before any South Carolina NIL-based collectives could offer a more significant financial package. And this writer goes on to write, Douglas said on Twitter via 24-7 Sports that Harbor had originally committed to Oregon, but went back to South Carolina boosters looking for more. And between a bigger NIL deal and admittedly wanting to stay closer to home, Harbor announced he'd be a Gamecock. Sources told the NIL deal, which is writing this story, while the financial aspect of the NIL deals were strong, the personal relationships Harbor had with South Carolina were huge in him picking the Gamecocks. Douglas had other interpretations. Quote, booster-driven pay-for-play disguised as NIL, illegal according to NCAA guidelines, has completely changed the game in college football, he wrote on Twitter. He went on to say that his alma mater, Maryland, their NIL-based collectives take care of players through community service and program outreach. He said there is no bidding on high school or transfer portal recruits by Maryland. That's right, the epitome of all that's good in college sports, Maryland. And, of course, the thread drew the ire of the South Carolina-focused NIL collective Carolina Rise. Again, I'm reading what he's written. They responded that sharing VIP information on Twitter is illegal. Oh, my. This could be big. Quote, countering an offer isn't pay for play. Discussions about NIL potential at a school are legit. Also, you should not post VIP info on Twitter, so you'll be getting a legal letter soon from our friends at TBS. The Big Spurs TBS. When reached for additional comment, Carolina Rice emailed the NIL deal with a response saying, quote, the response to the tweet is our comment, end quote. The NIL deal also reached out to Jeremy Smith of Garnet Trust for comment. Quote, Garnet Trust has not spoken with Nick or his family to date, nor were we involved in any last-minute offers or bidding wars. We look forward to him being on campus so that we can collaborate an NIL opportunity. Our understanding is that Nick is excited about the culture that Coach Beamer is building, and our philosophy is that should come first, end quote. So, help me out here. Now, Garnet Trust belongs to Gamecock Central for now. Notice I said for now. Carolina Rise belongs to the Big Spur, competing collectives. So, here's my whole deal. You people who run these collectives on behalf of your particular schools, then you think you're doing good by raising the money. And, of course, in this day and age, you have to raise the money and you have to make the deals. I get that. But I don't think you do your school a bunch of good when you when you write on your either in your VIP forum area or put it on your websites when you suggest that you are in a bidding war for a player and you know, you're kind of patting yourself on the back and you're, you're pumping yourself up that you kind of saved the day or whatever, 
or the university or whoever, the university was involved or boosters around the university or the collectives because the NCAA is watching. And they just might misinterpret what you think you're saying or interpret it another way. And so I read what was written by Tony Morrell and others about the belief that this thing went back and forth. Now, when you say that, then you're basically calling the father of the recruit a liar and your head football coach a liar because both are on record, one with us and one with the general media, as saying uh, NIL didn't play a role in this. Now, my head's not buried in the sand. I know what goes on behind the scenes, or I think I know what goes on behind the scenes with these recruits. My point is, you're better off not engaging in a public war of words and basically spilling the beans just to kind of show that maybe you, uh, you've come to the rescue or maybe you know something other people don't know. I think it, uh, I think it puts you in a bad space, to be honest with you. And I think it subjects, it leaves, it leaves your school, whether it's South Carolina, Clemson, Arizona, Oregon State, whatever, whoever's writing, whoever's saying it. I mean, the NCAA looks at media reports. They look at Twitter. They look at message boards, whatever they can get their hands on. If they see talk, conversation about uh, players uh, choosing a school because of NIL deals in advance of getting there, I mean, that flies right in the face of their rules. They still have them, and they've warned the schools that they will enforce them. Now, what that means and how they can enforce them and what the penalty would be, who knows? Who's going to be the first sacrificial lamb that the NCAA is going to crack on here? Hmm? Is it going to be Miami? Is it going to be Texas? Is it going to be BYU? Is it going to be any number of schools where boosters have publicly um, boasted about getting the money together to give to high school recruits? The idea was to get into school and then use your NIL to get your money not to use the money in advance to get the player to come to your school. That's entirely against what the idea was about, which is par for the course for everything in the history of college sports. So anyway, just thought I would touch on that because it's recruiting time here on Sports Talk. So let's get to the recruiting report, which is free and clear of any NIL activity and uh, not subject to NCAA investigations of any kind. It is brought to you by Seawells. All right, Pat, did you make it out to Seawells today for a roast beef Friday? I did not, and I was craving roast beef the rest of the day, so then I, I admittedly grilled a fat steak at So home then you went right to Arby's. I came here. <laughs> no, I had, I had a big old ribeye on my grill right before I came in here. Um, my dad went, though. My dad and my brother both went over there today. I convinced them to go in my stay, and they assured me that they ate plenty enough for the three of us. Nice. Well, the the buffet will be back next week, so check it out, Monday through Friday, 11 to 2. Very best buffet that you can find for only $13. And for the best in the catering business, of course, we always recommend Seawells for you. You got something coming up, wedding reception, a corporate outing, a wards banquet, a business luncheon. Just give the Seawells folks a phone call and let them handle it. They're about 80 years into doing this kind of business, so they know what they're doing You don't stay in business that long without being good at what you're doing. They'll host at their facility, 1125 Rosewood Drive, where they'll come to your venue. Their phone number is 803-771-1111. 
7385 online at sewellscateringsc.com. So once again, USC gets the commitment from wide receiver Mazio Bennett, 6 feet 165, a one-time Tennessee commitment out of Greenville High School. Was at USC last Saturday. That pretty much sealed the deal for him. You heard Coach Porter on with us a little while ago talking about him, all the good things that he brings to the table, and a terrific athlete and uh, very, very good leader, uh, very good in the locker room with his teammates. So he feels like the Gamecocks have gotten a gem in this young man. Last season, he had 1,700 all-purpose yards, 23 touchdowns, 47 catches, 857 yards, 14 touchdowns. He joins offensive tackle Cam Pringle as 2024 in-state commitments for the Gamecocks, their fifth overall for the class. Now, in what can only be described as a shocking turn of events, based on the projections by the recruiting website experts, and I use that word loosely, in experts, Clemson missed on their current number one quarterback target in the 24 class when Walker White of Little Rock, Arkansas announced for Auburn? Has he read about Hugh Freeze? Do they know what happened at Ole Miss? They cleansed him of his sins when he was at Liberty, Phil. How do, you choose, how do you choose a man with a dark side like Hugh Freeze over a man with nothing but cleanliness and godliness? In Dabo Sweeney. Hard to figure. I'm sure he was bought. Anyway, he took a visit to Clemson last Saturday for their major junior day. And the Clemson media suggesting strongly that White would commit to their Tigers, the ones they love. Uh, Clemson was also thought to have an advantage through new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, who had recruited White previously while at TCU. Projections by 24-7 Sports and On3 concurred. 24-7 analysts gave Clemson a 75% chance. On3 had it at 88.2%. Over the last two seasons, White passed for 4,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. He also rushed for over 1,300 yards and 21 touchdowns. His completion percentage as a high schooler, not great, only about 54%. And he has thrown 20 picks. USC target Mississippi State transfer running back Dylan Johnson sticking with his commitment to Washington. And USC target tied in Kylan Fox of Loganville, Georgia, tweeted out that he's got an announcement of some type planned for February 12th. He visited USC for their junior day last month. USC offered safety Malcolm Ziegler of Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, one of my favorite names of a town. Fuquay Verena, or a consolidated high school. And Clemson target, 6'4", Austin Swartz, was offered by Tennessee. That'll do it for recruiting. Going to hit the break. When we come back, the attorney for the stars, Jim Corbett, is going to join us. And he's been watching the Murdoch trial very closely, as I'm sure everybody in the legal world in South Carolina has. Not just South Carolina, but around the country. And this thing is moving on down the road and getting uh, more and more interesting by the day. Though I haven't watched very much of it. I'm just catching the news highlights. Let's see what Jim has to say about things. That's coming up in a moment. 
Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop is the light of the party. The story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Okay, Walterboro, one of the hot spots of the country. With the Murdoch trial ongoing, our good friend, attorney Jim Corbett here in Columbia, not involved with the case, so free to talk about it. Otherwise, he'd be thrown in jail, and he's been watching it closely, I'm sure, and taking notes and trying to figure out which direction this thing is moving. Jim, great to have you with us once again. Uh, just summarize kind of what you've taken away from, from this week. I know there's a ton of, of detail. it take you a couple of hours to go into everything, but just the the things that stand out the most to you? Well, they got the timeline down. The prosecution got the timeline down to some precise numbers, and it's minutes from this video that um, Mr. Gibson, the family friend, identified as having Paul on it and video of a dog and then voices off camera or off uh, yeah, off camera uh, belong to Maggie and to Alex Murdoch. And just minutes after that, when the killings happen, the phones go dead for both Alex and I'm sorry, not for uh, Maggie and and Paul, the son who was was killed. And um, you know, it's it's as a, a lawyer friend of mine and I were talking today. He said from what he's seen and he's seen a lot. He's a retired lawyer now. It's that circle keeps closing in around of Alex Murdoch. Um, they've got some circumstantial evidence. It's a circumstantial evidence case. So they're they're painting the timeline of when he was there. And a couple things that stick out to me are. In the interview with Sled, he said he wasn't near the kennels, but that video has his voice when it's taken inside the kennels. And the kennels are where they were murdered, Paul inside and Maggie right outside, I think. Um, and again, this is a horrible thing that has happened. And this is, a, um, you know, uh, condolences to, to all involved, family and friends of those two. But, um, you know, the uh, today was financial day, if you want to call it, where they gave uh, the prosecution presented evidence about all the financial debt that Alex Murdoch was um, uh, that he had. Um, you might recall that there was a, a judge's ruling that uh, that testament could come in because the defense had asked during their cross-examination of some witnesses, do you know of any reason why uh, Alex Murdoch would want to brutally murder his wife and, and son? And that, well, that and a couple of things opened the door, uh, as they say in, in the legal business, to uh, to that because they raised the issue 
the uh, prosecution can then present their evidence. And today it was financial day, and a lot of it was not heard by the jury, was heard by the judge, and there's cross-examination. Um, if that's not allowed in, that becomes part of the record as a proffer of what the prosecution would have presented. Uh, and if it is allowed in, they do it all again. Uh, they come back and they, and they retestify. Uh, and that will be on Monday morning when, when testimony begins again. So, um, you know, there, there's no conclusive evidence on the um, uh, the guns, uh, the 300 blackout rifle. Um, flood expert said, yeah, 300 blackout rifle killed Maggie. And it was uh, the shells that were at the kennels were the same shells that were found elsewhere on the property from a 300 blackout. And under cross-examination, the fence tried to say it could have been any 300 blackout anywhere in the world. And, you know, the, the sled expert had to say it was inconclusive hmm. uh, as to if it was fired by, um, you know, uh, where the, which blackout gun it came from. And the same thing with the shotgun, which was used to, uh, to murder Paul. Um, inconclusive if the, what they presented was a shotgun that fired it. Those rounds, so it's not clear cut uh, based on that. And there's people, plenty of people, to talk about. You know his financial problems. The prosecution said they want to show that he was trying to take attention away from um, these things, um, and that uh, uh, he was seven hundred ninety-two thousand dollars in debt, according to the law firm. That was testimony the uh, last week, which got in. Uh, I'm sorry, earlier this week that got in. And then um, present CEO of the bank said that. Uh, the account was overdrawn $350,000 overdraft. And, uh, the bank, um, Mr. Lafitte from the bank, made sure that the bank loaned him money to cover that. And overall, $4.2 million was owed uh, by him. And uh, Michael Satterfield, uh, whose mom had died when she um, uh, fell down the stairs, um, said that uh, he never saw a dime of the $4.3 million worth of uh, the settlement. So it's there's lots of financial, and you know that's what some people could say is prior bad acts, which are not allowed in. But in this case, they're linked up with the reason why uh, he might have uh, had a motive to do this. So mm. I think it's uh, those are the things that stick out. And uh, again, it's something the jury's going to have to deliberate through and go through and um, and uh, look at the timeline again that's presented. Uh, the closing arguments will have. You know, lots of presentations uh, of the timeline of where, how people, uh, who was there, at what time, what time the cell phones went down, and what time the cell phones came back up. And there was a cell phone which was, Maggie's was reactivated for a second at one point. Um, what's the timeline that, that Alex says that he had? Uh, Alex Murdoch said that he left, you know, I think it, he slept until 8.30, a, a little, I'm sorry, nap from 8.30 to 9, which means he wouldn't have heard the shots. They didn't wake him up, even though he was on the grounds. And then, you know, he leaves and texts, says, you know, uh, after visiting his mom while he's there on the way back, combination of that, and then he comes back and he finds the bodies and says he turned them over, but there's no blood in his hands. Turned mm -hmm. his son over looking for, you know, a sign of a pulse, I guess it was. Bloody, bloody scene, so much so that the, those photos were redacted um, and not shown in full. Yeah, it was so bad. So there's, and and I think the the agent, one of the investigating officers testified early on. You know, he was uh, there wasn't blood on his shirt, but you know his clothes looked like they were had been implied they had been changed, and it was because uh, he was sweaty, but the clothes were dry. So the implication is he left and changed and came back. This is this is this is his own mother as a cover. So, again, it's the circumstantial evidence keeps coming up. Now they're getting to the motive part. 
Uh, and, you know, next week uh, after the prosecution rests, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunity for defense to point the finger at other people who may have pulled the trigger to try to prove that reasonable doubt. So we're looking at the prosecution resting here about when? Any idea? Not sure. Um, they have multiple witnesses that testify today that the judge has to rule whether or not they can testify to the jury about it. If he doesn't, they don't testify. That obviously cuts out, you know, three quarters of a day of trial and uh-huh. move on to the next thing. Other ballistic experts, as I said before, that have testified and who knows what else is next. Um, but they're methodically going through their case. And um, sometimes you choose what to uh, what to present on the, on the witness stand, who to present on the witness stand based upon, you know, a judge's ruling. Uh, if you have witnesses that are going to link things up that they're testified to today and they're not allowed to testify to the jury, well, then you don't have those witnesses. But I assume they talked about a three-week trial. We just finished week two. So sometime, you know, in the first uh, two, three days of next week, the prosecution should be done. Um, and then the defense gets to decide what they're going to present. And uh, remember, Alex Murrow does not have to take the stand. They could present a vigorous defense without doing that. And um, that'll raise the question of, do the jury really want to hear from him or not? Uh, do they need to hear from him? Okay, I'm going to ask you, Mr. Attorney, Mm -hmm. would you Mm -hmm. put Alex Murdaugh on the stand? Well, the the unusual thing is that Alex Murdaugh is an attorney himself, and the client gets to choose that they want to take the stand. So in this case, the two lawyers can say, the two main lawyers, Jim Griffin and Dick Harputley, can say, do you want to testify? He'll have seen all the evidence, and they'll counsel him and say, we think this or that. We think no because or you know, it can't hurt. Or, you know, if you want to raise this defense, we have to have your testimony. They'll lay it out. And then Alex makes a decision. Yeah. So Alex I know. will decide in some way his own fate. If it's me and I'm an innocent man, I'm testifying. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to proclaim my innocence to the very end if, if it's me and I know I'm innocent. But then again, you can get up there and they can, they can get you on some things. Like it's going to be hard to disprove the voice on the video after saying he wasn't there, that's going to be hard. And yeah. of course, no blood, the nothing on his clothes after he said he, he checked the bodies and uh, it would have been mm-hmm. almost impossible not to have something on your hands, on your skin, on your clothes. I would imagine, I guess that's what they're saying. So mm-hmm. yeah, he'd have some things to have to defend off there. Well, we will hear from you next week. Let me know what's a good night for you after you uh, watch things play out. Are they going to be in session over the weekend? No, he's letting them go home for the weekend. Okay. Well, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Great update, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Phil. Thanks very much. Thank you, pal. Jim Corbett, attorney here in Columbia. You hear him on our show with his uh, terrific advertisements and sometimes calling in from football games when uh, when he's at football games. Okay. After the break, GB3 and Tsunami Robbie. And another guest, it's time for birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina. Brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports. And we'll be back after the break here in just a moment. Four. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. That's when my caddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. But it went straight down the middle, like they say. 
Okay, time for some birdies from George Bryan, bogeys from me, and biceps from Rob Thames, Tsunami Robbie. They'll be joining us in just a moment with a special guest as well. This gives me the opportunity to update day two of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am out in uh, Pebble Beach, California. And we've got Kurt Kitayama, who is at nine under par after two rounds. Keith Mitchell is at eight under par. Also at eight under par is Brandon Wu. Also at eight under par is Joseph Bramlett. At under par, we have Hank Labida. Don't know Hank. Maybe George does. He's at eight under par. And that's the top of your leaderboard as far as some of the others. Andrew Novak, 69 today. He's six under. Ben Martin is at five under. Jordan Spieth is four under. Doc Redman is three under. Lucas Glover, three under. He's playing his last hole today. Good shape to make the cut, I would think. Jonathan Bird with a 69. He's at one under. We have Matthew Neesmith at one under. Scott Brown is in at even. Kevin Kisner, he's at plus two, had a 69 today. Carson Young's at plus two. William McGirt's plus three. Bill Haas is plus four. Kyle Stanley's in at plus four. Wesley Bryan, 78, plus six. And Tommy Ganey improved from an 80 to a 75, but he's at plus 11. A lot of South Carolina golfers in the field as we welcome in one of South Carolina's primo golfers, George Bryan the third. Good evening, George. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, what a privilege it is to be part of a three and very soon to be forcing. So we got a, we got a weekend coming up where uh, it looks like we'll be able to play some golf, too. Yeah, well, they say foursomes play faster than threesomes. Now, why is that? <laughs> I don't know uh, what – I'm not sure who said that or what <laughs> – kind of research that's about but uh i don't mind telling you if they're foursomes that are been playing together for a lot of years and there are some clubs around like country club of lexington mid carolina forest lake they have foursomes been around for a long time playing together they all are in a groove and they they have fun get it done i'll say the chemistry helps so yeah it's possible Mm -hmm. but i haven't that's not my experience usually the threesomes play a little faster well, I mean, they, 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 but they like you whenever possible, right? To play in foursomes, does that like help the oh, flow overall on the golf course? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like filling up that airplane. They want they want as many seats on the plane as possible, and usually the courses when it's busy, they have foursomes. Every tea, every course has so many tee times, and they want the tee times full. And three players is not quite a a full plane so they won't and you know they have intervals that either 10 9 8 7 minutes apart sometimes six depending on the golf course so the idea is and it's pretty cool it's in the rules the rule book where the the right away the foursomes have the right away uh-huh. and if you're a threesome or even a twosome especially on a busy day you don't have the right away so singles have no place and twosomes, uh, the same. They don't have privilege, so to speak. But the foursomes, they're king. And also, some other things that folks don't really understand, uh, or don't, in Scotland, Ireland, they won't even allow the individual ball to be played in the afternoon. A lot of the private clubs in Scotland, you're not allowed to play a single ball hmm. after lunch. 
And that's a fact. Or until, you know, certain parts of the day, they just don't allow it. So it's uh, all kind of cool things to learn about in golf, I feel. Absolutely. Uh, Real quick, before you and uh, Robbie and your guests uh, get at it, we had last weekend the uh, Tournament of Champions uh, at uh, TPC from the SCGA. And so Jason Steiner of Fort Mill, final round of 71, he won the men's club champion title, tournament total of four under 140, senior men's club champion division, Frank Duddick, North Charleston. He was victorious, final round 71, tournament total of 141. Ladies division, Catherine Sheely, Blythewood. She won, final round score of 81, tournament total of 163. Chris Essie of Simpsonville won the one-day gross division, final round score of 73, tournament total of 147. The senior one-day gross division won by Eddie Hargett. Blythewood, final round score of 68, tournament total of 141. They played at TPC Myrtle Beach, had 68 men and women in the field. George, I know you know some of those folks. I do. I know Catherine Sheely, uh, former Winthrop I think Winthrop's and uh, she's in the Women's Golf Hall of Fame there at Winthrop. And uh, Eddie Hargett is our senior 2022 SCGA Player of the Year. Uh, the other names I'm familiar with don't know them quite as well, but we in uh, South Carolina we talked about it for a long time. Juniors, we got the, some of the strongest juniors in the country. But if you go right up through the ranks, the Mid-amateur, well, from the college players to the mid-ams, amateurs, even the seniors, we got the best, some of the best in the whole country. So it's pretty special to be in South Carolina. And speaking of special, we have, I think it's about that time to bring in Tsunami Robbie. Welcome, Tsunami Robbie. Uh, He is our, he is the biceps (laughs) of the 30 folks biceps. Welcome, Tsunami Robbie. I'm just feeling all warm and fuzzy. You called me special. (laughs) Tell you what, we had a everybody. We had a we had a blast last week in Orlando at the PGA show. It was uh, Tsunami Robbie G4. That's George the Fourth and I. We roomed and uh, attended the PGA show. Studied. uh, You know, we didn't we didn't speak a lot about the cutting edge of fitness that we witnessed. But uh, kind of saved it for this week. Got a special guest, Trevor Hudson, Hudson Fitness. Now, Trevor is a physical educator, and he is at Lexington High School, the strength and conditioning coach. Let's bring Trevor to the tee. Welcome, Trevor. Hey, thank you, George. Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, this segment is sponsored by Tsunami Bar Sports, and uh, golf fitness tends to be what we speak of quite a bit, and so Tsunami Robbie's uh, probably going to have a question or two. I want to go ahead and say a little bit about you. I watched, we're on the the athletic field back this past summer when I discovered Trevor Hudson. He's, he had a youth fitness program. He'll tell us more about it, but I, I noticed the noise first. They were having a lot of fun, and at Lexington County Recreation Agent, aging uh i noticed his his young ones are outdoors running around doing all these agility exercises and just having a blast trevor talk a little bit about what you do and how you do what you do 
Yeah, so we, um, <clears throat> you know, I started Hudson's Fitness and Nutrition um, a couple years back and then branched off of that to do future athletic speed training. So we call it fast training. Um, and I get athletes anywhere from ages eight years old to whoever wants to kind of show up. Um, and they can register on the Bar Road Lexington website. We work out Monday and Thursday nights at, from 6.45 to 7.45 p.m. Um, and we do everything as far as speed mechanics, um, a little bit of body weight strength and conditioning. Uh, we work on uh, – there's some band attachments that we have. We work on some shoulder strengthening, um, specific single leg strengthening exercises. And we just work on speed mechanics and working on acceleration, change of direction, um, and top end speed for those kids. And I get kids from soccer, football, baseball, softball, volleyball. So I get kind of the whole uh, whole realm of athletics. But we, the goal is just to get those kids to improve and, and uh, achieve the goals that they want to achieve. So. Well, the one thing that, that struck me and I invited you pretty quick to invite you to be part of the show is the fact that you had the ability to tie fun into fitness. And, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there listening that couldn't, couldn't benefit from uh, what you and Tsunami Robbie mix it up over. But I'm going to ask both of you guys, both of your strength and conditioning experts, uh, when it comes to the motivation, getting up and going, Talk a little bit about how you all make fitness fun, and I'll kick it over to you, Tsunami Robbie. Give you a little break there, Trevor, to get your answer ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, you know motivation is a huge part of it, and Coach Hudson is um, he's deeper into that than I am right now. At the high school level, you get guys that are and girls that are they've been going to class, they've had to get up early, they might have been studying all night, they've got. Uh, all the, the teenage drama that's going on in all their lives. And then you got to get them focused and dialed in to get the maximum that they can put into a workout and, and get it out of them. And uh, going, to, going into that weight room and, and putting in that effort that you need to, to put in to be able to uh, uh, elevate yourself and, and get those gains and strength and speed and power that you're looking for, uh, you got to motivate them. And so you got to just have to learn how to communicate. That's a, that's a huge part of coaching and uh coach uh, trevor hudson does a great job with those lexington guys and girls i've had a privilege of being around a number of them over the years and um you know you have those time constraints whether it be high school or college that you only get so much time with these athletes because you're kind of regulated to that so you you have to motivate them to take it upon themselves to do some things on their own or uh, you can go out and see coach hudson uh on his on his private time with the uh, with the fitness and speed workouts that he has going and get that extra work in that you might not necessarily get the full benefit of in the school situation. But uh, Coach Hudson, tell us about how you motivate those guys and girls. Yeah, so every um, every athlete you know has a why of uh, why they train and, and the way they do it and how they do it, um, and it's getting to kind of understand each one of each of those kids why and and get them to help move towards their goal um and then in the weight room even out at the fast training we're always trying to add some sort of element of competition um whether it's with themselves on a specific time if we've run a certain drill and we've timed it before 
if they can compete against themselves and try to beat that time or if they can compete against another opponent or an athlete um, and just make it competitive. That's a great way to motivate kids. Um, so understanding their why and really figuring out why they're out there, what their goal is and where they want to get to and trying to get them there. Um, and then just add elements of, of game competition and, and kids, they love that and they flock to it and they tend to enjoy it a lot. Um, and you get a lot of effort out of them. So. Hey, I love, I love where you both of you went. We know. And with the experience, the miles I have on my tread seen quite a bit, the golf athletes are a, a mysterious group to motivate but we know for a fact when it's fun it's possible and definitely will get more done so the uh all kind of little things that make a big difference and i love the why so um tsunami robbie talk a little bit about the tsunami bar and a what's special and why you like it well the tsunami bar you know and i'll go directly to the golf athlete in this case is, um, you know, Coach Hudson hit on it, um, you know, the competition part and finding the why. And when it comes to the, the golf athlete, the why is usually speed and distance. Uh, you want to hit the, the ball farther, and you do that with club head speed. And the way you can get that is, um, is to use an application like the Tsunami Bar, which is a, a live, flexible um, bar or implement or device, however you might want to frame it. And uh, you can use it with maximum speed and effort. Uh, to get those fast twitch muscles going and uh, get it repetitive uh, so you can do it over a sustained period of time. And if you gauge it, if you measure it, you'll find out that from where you start day one, two weeks, three weeks, six weeks down the line, as you measure the, those measurable club head speed and distance, that you're going you're gonna to get some advantages. You're going to gain some things. And it's not that hard. doesn't take a lot out of you, but, uh, but you can get a lot out of it. And it uh, shouldn't be intimidating like a lot of the weight rooms are, especially to the golfer that go in there. Uh, 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 Justin Thomas made a great comment. I think he was at the Olympics, and he was in the weight room doing a, uh, a little Twitter feed. And, and he said, uh, it's funny, all these great athletes in here, and nobody's clamoring over the 20-pound dumbbells like I am. So, uh, you know, they were all using the heavy stuff, and he was he was down there on the end with the, with the 10s and the 15s and the 20s. But but um, yeah, that goes right back to what Coach Hudson said, the why. Why do you do it? And uh, and then you, you go in the room and get it done. Coach Hudson, what do you got to say? Uh, you know, speaking from the tsunami bar, the aspect in the, <clears throat> in the weight room um, and even out on the field, it's a, a whole other element um, that the kids usually don't get their hands on. Um, so it's, it's something new for kids to use and you can use the same movement um, whether it's a press variation or a squat variation those kids can feel the difference between a tsunami bar and a regular bar and it becomes more intriguing for them to use those bars um, you know maybe give a little more effort on those specific exercises uh, but like you said they can feel the fast twitch muscle fibers engage more um, with the tsunami bar and it just be it's a it's another twist to the program that can really help enhance the kids' abilities to perform and and get better. So, <clears throat> hey, coach, uh, tell us how anybody out there listening has some juniors, young folks that uh, want to get them engaged in fitness. I've watched you 
we were out training and practicing for uh, for several weeks in a row. And if I had a, a 10, 11, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I'd want to know how to get in touch with Trevor Hudson. Tell us how we do it. Uh, so you can sign up at the Bar Road Lexington Recreation website. My registration is on there to sign up for the fast training. Um, you can contact me on social media, Hudson's Fitness and Nutrition, um, or you can reach out through my cell phone, 608-633-2509, and um, you know, I can help you in any way I can, and, and we'll try to get your goals achieved and get you uh, performing at top-tier shape. Hey, well, it's a privilege for you to join us tonight, and Phil and Tsunami Robbie. What I've been doing is uh, when we get our outdoor segment finished, uh, we got we got some new things coming at Tsunami Bar Sports, and outdoor training will be part of what we do. And Trevor's he's a young uh, young man, got to be in the early thirties, young family. So we need some young folks to teach some of us. Uh, uh, I'll say the older bulls how they do it outdoors and bringing that youth fitness. To the uh, to the equation, and I'm, I'm, we're recruiting Trevor right now, Tsunami Robbie. <laughs> so I told him yeah. I don't hide anything. Uh, I've watched him; he's great. And so, Trevor, thanks for joining us, and I uh, look forward to our next visit. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And uh, Tsunami Robbie, uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about how they get in touch with us? Phil, help him out. We know we got. I know we owe you a video. We got to get a fresh video up. Fresh video. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But we got a little if when you go when you're when you're viewing the when you're viewing the tsunami bar, what's the code, tsunami Robbie? Do you remember? Because I forgot. (laughs) It's got to be triple B, B B B five. Yeah, George, it ain't that hard. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Pretty spogies and biceps five. Yeah. Get your five. Yeah, we'll remind, people, we'll remind people you can go to our website, sportstalksc.com, the digital ad, click on that. It's on the right side. Take you right to the Tsunami Bar Sports website and right into the section where they have the various products. And you select what you're looking to buy. You put in the code triple B5, and voila, you get 5% off. Pretty good deal. Excellent. Always, yeah, we got, uh, I know we're we're ready to roll. I like to recognize. Uh, there's a brand new one we have out. The tonal uh, tonal flex uh, and tonal wave. It's a lighter bar, friendlier bar. And I'll say the uh, our new tonal wave TF60 will sponsor the rankings. Roger Smith was kind enough to send me. The latest ranking, Roger is the head coach at River Bluff. Mm-hmm. And the 5A number one ranked team, and Phil, I'm sure you've already talked, talked about this, but the preseason ranking has Boiling Springs at number one, Chapin at two, Spartanburg three, Malden four, River Bluff is number five, Lexington six, Fort Mill seven, Dorman eight, West Ashley nine, and Wando ten. Triple A, uh, excuse me, four A, We'll have Coach Dargan on soon. Mm-hmm. AC4 tops and is number one, possibly the best team in the state this year overall. Got a strong team coming back again this year. North Augusta, number two. Greenville, three. South Aiken, four. Eastside, Riverside, Easley. 
Indian Land, Greenwood, and Cadaver Ridge round out the top ten. Triple A, Buford, Walford, excuse me, not Walford, Wood, <laughs> Woodruff. <laughs> Wren are the top three there, and the uh, 1-2-A, Oceanside and Bishop England are one and two. So we got great junior golf in the state. I always like to recognize the juniors. Let me recognize the number one. Let's see, number one girl in the, excuse me, number one boy in the state, Andrew Gregory, Jay Smith, number two. Got to always, can't can't mention the uh, boys without the girls being recognized. Mm -hmm. And our number one, number one girl in South Carolina, 2023 to open the year, Madison Messimer. So, Elba Stolle, Stolle is number two. Caroline Hawkins from Bright Blythewood is number three. Now, George, so there you have it. let me ask you a question. Where your game is today, where GB3 is with his game today, if you were to tee it up with the number one high school girls player in the state and play from the tees that's perfect for her, how would you do? Uh, did you see what the leading score on the PGA Tour shot today? You mean in today's oh, what tournament? Did you say? I'm changing the subject. What do you think? She'd wear me out. That's what Robbie I'm saying. played with me last week. Yeah, I'm not. my game's not too sharp right now. So you uh, could not hang with the number one girls high school player in the state? Well, I would say my money would probably be on her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how I can say it any other way. Uh, you know what? I'd like to, I'd like to say if I had a little notice and I could practice and prepare, I might be a little better mm. off. But we teed it up today. I'm pretty sure I'd be in rough shape. Okay. The girls in the state, the girls in the state are really good. Now, if, if uh, and playing it from where they play it from, they are some of the best in the country. So, I'd be uh, uh, with no preparation. <laughs> I'm, I'm betting very low on myself. So, yeah, we got really good. And the boys, hey, I'll put it this way: with the boys in this state, I've seen them. I'm a little more familiar with where their games are. Uh, some of the boys at the top level, they're better. They're, they're already ready for Division One mm. golf. So they're, we, they're strong on both sides. And that's one thing. In high school golf, you can go watch them for free, and almost every club in the Midlands will host a golf team or two or three. In fact, I heard a little bit of sad news recently that, a, that a, one of the private schools were turned down that a local private school because there was not enough room on the golf course. And I understand the golf course's perspective. You can't host but so many teams in the spring. And, but call the pro shop, go look at the website, look at the schedule. If you want to go watch great boys golf, great girls golf, I know Blythe, well, the girls play in the fall. So you have to wait till the fall. But the boys, AC Floors here local, I've already mentioned around the state. Look at where they are playing, and the admission is the right. So I would, I would say, tee them. Go watch those youngins tee them up. They can really play. All right, George, play out, buddy. Buddy, put out. Hey, 
with that, until next week, for Tsunami Robbie, TM High, let's have some fun this weekend, but shoot them low. You got it, guys. Thank you, George and Robbie. Great, great segment. Thoroughly enjoyed it. We've had a great week. See you from the new studio next Monday. Thank you, Pat. Have a great weekend, everybody.